Hello, my name is Taylor Clement. I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Steve Hughes, president of Hit Your Stride. And today we have Steve Hughes joining us. And Steve Hughes is the president of Hit Your Stride, as he said, but he's also a former Kirk Day School parent and of two wonderful girls who are now off in college. And we get the pleasure of having Steve on the podcast. So, Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. I, I didn't know uh, you guys were so prolific with your social media awesomeness, and so I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, it's it's been a surprise to us, but we figured uh, and have learned, rather, that it is best to do a podcast if we want to get a message across to parents uh, instead of actually trying to do a meeting. And so, yeah, this is this is great, but I'm excited to have you. And uh, for those that you don't know Steve, uh, like you said, uh, he's... Uh, president of Hitcher Stride, but um, one, he's got a great sense of humor, but he does a lot of public speaking. And Steve, outside of just being a Kirk Day School parent at one point, he uh, also has spoken to our faculty and did so recently, and it was so well received. We wanted to have him on the podcast, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, well, let's start. So, Steve, tell me, tell me this first. Just tell me a little bit about you, your family. Um, and just kind of who you are, because I would love to, our, our, our families just to really know more about you. Yeah, so we are a uh, perfectly behaved, uh, spiritually sound, amazing family. No, we are a great family <laughs> of four. Um, and when we strive for those things, certainly with the Lord's help, but we live out here in Chesterfield. I was born and raised in St. Louis. My wife is from New York. Um, our two girls, as Taylor mentioned, I uh, started their education at, at KDS and loved every minute of it. Um, they're now a junior and senior in college, respectively, one at Wheaton and one at, uh, at Notre Dame. So they're right near each other there and in, in, uh, a little bit north of us here. I, I grew up a huge Notre Dame fan. I'm from oh. southern Indiana, so I, I don't hear many people talk about Notre Dame uh, in this area. So that's awesome. It was, it was cool. We, uh, you know, she visited the school and you know, applied. It's now so hard to get into, but uh, she's kind of fell in love, and it's been a great, it's been a great uh, experience for her, and it's, uh, it's been fun for our family to go to some games here and there. Yeah, they're great games. Best football games I've ever been to, for sure. But uh, anyways. Yeah, well. Sorry. Yeah, way to interrupt I know, right? Yeah, no, 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 keep no going. I think that's the magic of, of, of podcasting. Let's have some fun and have a conversation. <laughs> that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Well, on your on your website, Steve. I mean, you know, you've you've got some some great things. But what's great to me is the fact that you also give your height and weight, as well as your exceptional skills of gifted at parallel parking, and you know, you do a great job at that. Um, and so it's it's so funny because number one, um, putting that on, I think is um, is we'll just say vulnerable. And the second yeah. thing, though, is um, honestly, it's just it's just great to see. So tell us a little bit about what you do. I I help people look and sound smart, which um, which is a fancy way of saying I, I help coach, I train, I consult in the areas of helping people, uh, you know, make better speeches, uh, build better teams. I use improv, that sort of thing. So basically, anytime two human beings or more have to get together and communicate or get an idea across, we all know that's so critical in in life, in business, 
at Kirk, at, at churches, at nonprofits, everywhere. So, um, and it's it's just been a wonderful thing I've done for the past 15 years, and it all started uh, because I accepted a dare from a pastor friend of mine. Hint, hint, hint. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know more what that dare was? <laughs> well, of course, and I think I have. I think I think I might know a little bit about this, but I would love to hear hear that. So, yes, talk about this dare. I'm glad you yeah. So normally you know you hear a dare, it's usually something crazy. Uh, but this was just a friend of mine um, who's a pastor, and we were actually at, at Easter brunch one morning, uh, gosh, 15, 16 years ago. And he said, Steve, you're kind of a funny guy, and yuck it up. But he said, he said, you know, if you really want to be something in my book, you will you'll get up on stage and do some stand-up comedy. And I remember being terrified by that because, yes, I'd always been kind of, you know, the you know class clown type guy. I mean, obviously very professional and awesome, but I like to bring the fun wherever I go. But I thought if I get on stage, uh, it'd be kind of scary. But uh, but that, that dare, and I went ahead and did it. I went up to the, the comedy forum in St. Charles, which has since gone out of business, and I can't take full credit for that. Um, <laughs> But uh, and I don't like to brag, but but for those five minutes of that open mic night when I got up on stage, um, I was terrible, and um, you know. <laughs> but then I, I came. I come to find out afterwards that every any comedian you see on TV, I don't care if it's if it's you know um, Seinfeld or Ellen DeGeneres or or um, you know Chris Rock or anybody, most of them Jay Leno, they all start off and for a long period of time they bombed. They just they weren't that funny, but they there's something about it that kept them doing it. And after an interesting series of events, I got into it more and more and then eventually I got a phone call from a friend of mine at a Chicago law firm after I'd done it for about a year plus, still working in advertising. I was an advertising guy for, for, for my day job. And he said to me, he said, Steve, could you come up to our Chicago firm one day and over lunch could you make all of our lawyers funny? And I remember thinking, gosh, uh, that's easy. Why don't I also try to make them taller and I'll cure cancer and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll invent, you know, cold fusion. And I said, well, what do you really want? Like, what are you looking for? And he said, um, we're smart. We're good at what we do. We're really talented, but we're really bad at, at, at basically connecting with humans. I said, oh, okay. Well, why don't you say so? I can help you with that. And so that, that again, that original dare from my pastor friend uh, eventually led me to go up to that Chicago firm. And I came home and said to my wife, I said, Marianne, I, you know, they paid me nicely and put me in a nice hotel and flew me up and back. And I said, if I did enough of these, we could pay the mortgage. And so I applaud her 100% for, for, for her agreeing to that and saying, yeah, let's give it a shot. And uh, that was uh, January 2005, and I haven't looked back. Wow. I was just looking uh, at your website, and I, I love your humor. I mean, the, te- the 10 reasons to hire Steve. I love that. <laughs> that is, um, that's just awesome. I love, I love that approach of just being up front. This is, this is what you're going to get. This is why you should hire me. I love that. Well, the challenge is, I think, for all of us, as we think of our place in God's world and what we do and what you bring to the table, is certainly we need to be... Um, We'd be professional and honoring and and respectful of authority and all those good things and and know the rules, et cetera. At the same time, that doesn't mean we have to water down our personalities and become this kind of, uh, you know, washed out version of yourself. I think if if you bring whatever that that special talent you have that you bring to the table that God's given you, I think it should be it should be uh, a part of your personality. And I I admit, when I first started doing this, I kind of hit a little bit of that because I thought, oh, no one's going to hire a guy who's kind of a little 
a little cheeky on his website or a little, you know, kind of irreverent, not in a bad way, just in a, you know, this is who I am. But I found the more I've leaned into that, the more I've actually had success and people have, have, have actually respected that. Um, and I, I encourage others to do the same. Well, and you know, I have a friend that, that does stand up comedy now, um, and has done, done well with it. And in college, he, we lived together and he was, he was a funny guy. But there's a difference between being somebody that's funny and, and putting it out there and, and making others laugh, even even at times at others' expenses, versus just driving yeah. your own type of performance and changing it from being funny to a performer, I feel like are, are really two different things. So the fact that you've channeled that in part performing into truly that speaking is, is really phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm more curious how it was speaking at Dunder Mifflin. Well, Dunder Mifflin was was great. Everyone loved it, but Michael, you know, Michael Scott was not a good uh, uh, audience. Uh, by the way, so what's fun about that is I've had Dunder Mifflin on my website, and so far NBC has not, you know, called me and with a cease and desist letter. But but I like it because it's again it's kind of funny. Those who are Absolutely. in the know can. I mean, they're the, they're the people just... person's paper people. So. Um, <laughs> You're, exactly. You're talking to two huge office fans. Huge office fans. And so um, I, I, this part will be edited out of the podcast. We'll have to tell Mary. But um, I quote the office incessantly around here to, to even the chagrin of some office fans. So Yeah. Oh, no, I think awesome. it's great. It's, yeah. It's, I, it, to me, it's the most – and I, my daughters are now getting into it because it came out when they were too young. But, yeah, uh, yeah it was, uh, it's cringeworthy, but I think they do, they do hit on some, some – underpinnings of, of, the, of the human experience of oh, sure. humor absolutely it is super relatable it's similar to yourself that's what i love about about your website what oh, may, i'm you. curious <laughs> what what is it about public speaking and about doing what you do that you love well i guess here's the funny part um it actually, and this is why I feel so blessed. It's the most natural expression of my of my talents. Now, I, I do believe, and I say this all the time on stage. I think that great speakers are made, not born. And I do think that there's certain people with a proclivity to to maybe relate and and that sort of thing. But um, but you'll have to work hard at it to make it look natural. I the, the the funny part about it is maybe it's more odd than funny. Is I was terrified to to speak. Um, uh, as a kid, I we, we in my high school we had a a um, an annual you know, what's a uh, annual speaking contest and you know and I, I would never enter you know I just was was terrified but as I got a little bit older and less self focused um, and less uh, you know concerned and 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 really f- to the audience which is why I always say to, to folks to do because we're always worried when we speak that we think the the audience is dressing us down or you know oh my gosh they're gonna um, you know, uh, you know, kind of just just tear us apart mentally, and really, most people are more focused on themselves anyway. So I say, just go ahead and give them what they want. Which, by the way, reminds me of my my lovely wife, Marianne, was president of the KPA, and I is that still in, the, in existence? I assume or Absolutely. not? Absolutely, yes. Perfect. Yeah. So I was going to say, she when she, you know, she was so happy to serve, and I know when when other you know parents have been asked to serve. One of the scariest things is that five-minute talk that you do at the, I guess, back-to-school night kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And um, and and I think, uh, but but I was, but I applauded her for doing it, and everyone kind of gets scared and, and messed up. But she had fun with it. She threw in a little bit of humor, let her personality kind of shine, and um, and again, you know, it just was. Uh, it's it's a matter of a lot of us. Even saying to my daughter recently, like you, like learning to be comfortable 
being uncomfortable is, I think, one of the things that, that we're, we're called to do is that, you know, we need to kind of get a little bit out of that, that safety zone and stretch ourselves a little bit and, and trust God in the process. So I'm curious mainly because I feel like your, your job is so unique and you travel so much and experience so many different forms of business and uh, just the people that you're around. I, I was this summer, uh, let me preface it this way, this summer I was with a pastor friend and we were in Colorado and we were talking about just this amazing scene we were, we were kind of you know taking in in the moment. And he said, yeah, you know, this reminds me of a trip I, I was asked to go to and speak to a group in the Swiss Alps one time. And I was like, Are you, what? And so like, he like, goes on this incredible, tells me about this incredible experience. What has been, and just, you know, you, you've had hundreds of speaking engagements over the past 15 years. What has been kind of those highlight moments for you where you're kind of like, wow, I cannot believe I get to do this. And not necessarily like just a location, but maybe just the, the interpersonal experience that you've had or, you know, the location. Well, I actually have, I have two answers because one hits on each one. And by the way, I because of my job, I've hit now, I've spoken in or been, a, been able to visit all of 49 of the 50 states. And my white whale, the one I can't seem to get to, is North Dakota. So um, <laughs> just if anyone listening here knows somebody in North Dakota needs a speaker, uh, please, please do reach out because I, I got I got to get that one on my list. Absolutely, um, wow! So I would say the, the probably the most spectacular place visually, and then I'll give you my most experientially awesome um, was when I got to speak at, at Lake Louise in the uh, in the Canadian Rockies, which is right north of Banff. If you know where yeah. Banff wow. is up there in, yeah. in BC, uh, I guess it's BC. No, no, actually it's Alberta, um, but. Um, you know, it's it just was spectacular, and and I remember thinking, you know, I just you, know, you look out the the windows behind me, and there's this just amazing lake and the and the and the Rockies, you know, and it just was thinking, just such a cool, you know, a, a cool display of God's creativity, and yet I got a chance to do what I what I really enjoy and what I, what I think I'm gifted at, and then and then actually have someone pay me money at the same time was really yeah. <laughs> kind of one of those moments where I had to almost pinch myself. Um, and then and then the, the most, uh, oddly enough, the most interesting time, I'd say the most satisfying and really almost kind of milestone moment for me on stage was was really just a couple of years ago, 2018, I was at a conference in, speaking at a conference in Connecticut, and I'd spoken at this conference for years, and they kept saying, give us something else, give us something else, and I'd done my complete catalog. I'd done everything for them, so I'm like, I got nothing left. I said, can you just come up with something else? And so I, I finally took another risk. Again, it's that idea that I talked to the, the KDS staff about. It's, it's the improv concept from improv comedy that says, whatever you're given, whatever whatever is, is, is sent to you, whether it's an email, a conversation, uh, Whatever someone says to you or gives you is, is considered an offer, and with that offer, it's it's your job as an improv performer to, to say yes to it, to accept it. Like no matter what it is, you just kind of accept what it is. I'm just gonna, I may not like it, but I'll accept it, and I'll do something with it. So so it's the idea of yes and I'll do something. So my client said, "Can you do something for us?" And I said, "Yes." And you're going to love it, you know. So, and yet, when I gave them the, the topic, I hadn't written it yet. I hadn't mapped it out. I hadn't done all my full research. It just was. I I, I was like what what Bill Gates famously did. I think in the '70s, he was asked to to uh, to present um, 
DOS for the first time, you know, the, mm. his, his, his software. And he basically said, we'll get it. Yeah, we got it. It's ready for you. But they hadn't done it yet. And so that's pretty cool. So, so the program was basically um, – the program was called uh, Unflappable. It's, it's how to think on your feet and, and thrive when the unexpected happens. And so what, what I loved about it and what I think I feel so blessed is that God um, – it was a perfect combination of the research I had done for, for 10, 15 years on communication plus my side interest, which had shifted from stand-up comedy now to improv comedy. And by the way, I still do pro- perform with, uh, with Comedy Sports St. Louis, and that's sports with a Z. And the cool thing about it is even though that, that organization isn't Christian in nature, they do operate 100% clean. Oh, so wow. when, we, when we get back going, we, um, we still do some online stuff, but when we get back uh, you know, to meeting in person, it's a great place to, to bring the family because it's, uh, it's just – and we think it's a higher form of, of comedy in that you don't go for the cheap you know, blue humor, that sort of thing. But, but what was so neat about that moment in Connecticut, I believe it was in Danbury for some reason, not that that matters. But uh, I, it was a perfect combination of, of interest, um, side interest of the, of the, of the improv background and personality all came together and, and usually when you do a new program as a speaker or performer you know it's, it's okay but it doesn't go that well you're, it's your first time you're going to get better at it as you do it more and more and for this time though I, I remember coming home and telling my wife like oh my gosh it's just like i fired on all cylinders it just everything hit the audience responded well and this is a, an exciting new avenue that i want to take my business so i've, I've now added to my regular communication programming um, improv-based teamwork and, and team building and communication, and it's just been a, a wonderful new avenue. So, so the, the Lake Louise was the most beautiful spot I ever spoke, but that that morning in, in Connecticut was probably the most satisfying moment I had in front of an audience. Oh, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, you know, you you mentioned when you came to talk to us as a staff, uh, you you talked about a little bit about what it looks like to be uh, in improv, even as teachers. Um, I wonder if you could share maybe just a little summary of some of the points that you shared with our staff or our families that are listening. Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the building on the idea I just mentioned was, uh, and this is what I love too, is when, you know, we obviously have God's word to direct us and guide us. And I always love when when science or, or you know, a university discovers something that that is already kind of in the Bible, so to speak, and and actually I don't think I mentioned this. This is like this is like bonus time right here for the for the teachers if they'll tune in. <laughs> is that one of the key things of, of improv is that you have to be truly present and in the moment. You know, you can't like in playing chess, you can't be six steps ahead because if you're six steps ahead, you won't really hear what your improv partner is saying or what your team is doing, and so you'll miss out and you'll kind of mess up the scene. And it reminds me of the verse, you know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so it's, it's the idea of God's going to light you just the next step or two. Like, like right here, I'm not going to give you the spotlight on your whole day, your whole career, your whole marriage, your whole kids. But, but, but I'm enough for right now. I will give you what you need. Or he gives a manna for the day. You know, it doesn't give manna. You store it up in your manna locker, you know. Um, it just, yeah. It's for the moment. So I think uh, the idea of, of improv and, and some of the, the research out of particularly the University of Pennsylvania but other places that talk about resilient people are those who, who accept the world as it is but they're versus fighting against, you know, they, they don't just bang their head against the wall. But okay, I mean, I like this thing that's happening, but what can I do about it? What's the, 
what's, what can I now add to or build or change or, or, or act upon? So, so the thing I was telling the teachers the other week was, was whatever your student does, and this is actually we smiled and, and uh, I said, you know, how, how, how early into your day does, does a child or, or someone say or do something you don't expect and the hands went up and it's just a matter of minutes usually. And sometimes those moments are frustrating, but other times those moments are exciting because you, they lead you down a path you wouldn't have gone or they stretch you as, a, as an instructor, as a leader or teacher. Um, but it's the idea of, of saying, okay, this moment happened, this offer was given to me. What do I do with it? How do I, you know, you know, what do I do next and how can I add on to it? So, um, you know, which by the way reminded me, I have to say, I meant to mention this also, I talked about different prayer requests that I'm sure the teachers get. And I, mm-hmm. I was reminded of one that my daughter said, um, or at least put it this way, uh, we came to the back to school night when, when Elizabeth, our youngest, was in kindergarten. And I think Mrs. Hauser was her teacher at the time. And we had a moment of just, you know, the back to school night was fun and we got to see where they sit and do all their different activities and things. And then uh, Mrs. Hauser came up to us and said, I, I want to tell you about something that, that Elizabeth told us that I thought was interesting. We said, oh, what was that? During prayer time, she said, would you please pray uh, for my dad? My dad is afraid of kittens. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, we we're like, what? I mean, Mary and I looked at each other like, what? And then we thought, wait, seriously? And she said, yeah. And she had a straight face and a look of concern. And then we realized after the fact, she had overheard Marianne and, and, and me talking about the fact that I'm allergic to cats. And so she transformed or she you know, shifted that to afraid of kittens, which which I admit is a tough hit on the manliness factor, right? So. Yeah. It's hard to feel tough and cool and studly when I'm afraid of kittens, you know. So, um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's the main, you know, the main principle there. And then the other thing is making sure you listen through the last word of what people say is how often, let's let's be honest, in conversations, you're, you're listening to someone talk and you hear a word or a phrase and you either start to formulate your response or you go down this kind of rabbit hole mentally and they continue to talk. And then when you miss that last part of what they say, many times you miss maybe a key part of what they're trying to communicate. And so with improv, we, we are, we're trained to, to listen to the very last word of what your partner says or does, and then you respond. And and that can make a huge difference for a couple of reasons. One, it helps your audience, your other person, feel listened to and heard and validated. Um, but then also you don't start to act on half information or you start to respond to something that really wasn't there or something that was qualified in the second part of their, their comments. So, so those were some of the key things we were, we were talking about uh, with, the, with the teachers the other day. And, you know, we found it incredibly encouraging to, to think through that and just the practices of, of being resilient because we're about to wrap up our first semester in, in this COVID climate and we want to be COVID resilient. But yet it was, it's been a daunting effort. It's been, it's been a lot of extra work and just those extra duties and details that otherwise we normally don't have to, to pay as much attention to. Maybe we don't have to lean on that last word as you just mentioned. Instead, we have to really um, go all the way through and really run through that finish line, so to speak. And, and that was re- that was helpful for them because this, uh, went, just so our parents know, he came the Tuesday after Thanksgiving that when we took those health days and the teachers uh, had some work day. Uh, that day and that was that was good because we we know that even though there's a short sprint between Thanksgiving and Christmas within an academic calendar that's incredibly helpful to have that positive attitude uh, moving forward um, especially as we go 
uh, just one more step closer to 2021 and whatever that's going to hold. So yeah, it was it was super helpful to hear that. And parents, hope you're hearing this as well of just how we want our, our families and, and our faculty and staff, as well as our students, just to understand uh, how to be resilient, how to listen through the end, uh, not just for their own academic sake, but just in the, the listening that, that Christ calls us to. Absolutely. And, and it, you made me think of something. I was talking to my daughters when they came back. So they, they had been to college for several years, and then they had the you no, know, they're both sent home last, you know, last March. But then they both had in-person classes um, at Wheaton and Notre Dame this year. And I said, "How was it?" And they said, "You know what, Dad? We noticed something that if you accept again, here's the idea of accepting and then doing something with it. If you accept the idea that this was not going to be a regular semester, this is not going to be a normal like we, you know, we have to wear masks and can't meet with this many people and have these kinds of gatherings, whatever. If you accepted that to begin with, then as they, I think, did." You had a pretty darn good semester. It's the kids who were so mad and complained and what they couldn't do were comparing it to, to what life was normally like. Those are the kids who had the worst semester. And so even that was helpful for me to hear to say, yeah, how, what things are going on in my world? Like right now, I, I can't hop on a plane and go speak at conferences. And and the, gosh, the 60 plus programs I've done since April have all been virtual. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if I compare it to regular, that's a bummer. But if I, if I embrace it and say, hey, I didn't have to hop on a plane actually for, for two days to go speak for an hour to a company in Los Angeles. I got to do that for my slippers, you know, uh, here in, in my, my home office. So I, I think as, as, as parents and teachers even navigate the continued kind of new normal that we have, if, if, if we kind of embrace the, hey, this isn't how it was before, but this is, this is the best we're doing with what we're given, I think they'll have an overall better experience. Yeah, yeah, we've had to do a lot of pivoting, a lot of improv as as we figured stuff out and I think that attitude of we're doing these things so that we can do the things that we're called to do I mean you know we've spoken about that since the summer and it is I mean it is hard and it is exhausting uh, but trying to keep that mindset of like the larger goal uh, that you know at least we're we're in in class in person like that's why we're doing the things like masks or you know whatever it may be um, I think that's what's some have gotten us through some some hard times. Absolutely, that, and I think you're right. It, it's it's so funny. We we um, you think about joy, and joy is, as I've learned, is is you know, irrespective of circumstances. Whereas happiness, you know, deals with you know, from the, I believe the Greek word to happen. So joy is kind. Of, above the waves uh, and happiness is a ship that's tossed about the, with the tides mm. and so I think what you just said there um, was was the idea of, of let's let's have it let's let's shift our attitude and, and approach it from a joyful perspective with what that allows us to do and and that makes all the difference now I'd be remiss if I didn't touch in on this you were a teacher once, though, weren't you? I was. It's, it's funny. Yes, you mentioned that. I, I I saw, and I think I shared this with the KDS teachers, I saw the movie Dead Poets Society and thought, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to be Robin Williams. And actually, I quit my job and became a teacher for a year. And I taught I taught high school history at, um, at MICDS. And then 
people ask Josh, why don't you stick with it? And I said, because teaching's hard. <laughs> I had no idea how hard it was because in the movie, they only show him like in front of the students and having a great time. But, you know, I think about teachers and all the work they do with, with, with lesson planning and grading of papers and, and working with parents and all the stuff that goes into it. It's obviously, it's a high calling. It's, it's a challenging calling, but I, I'm so thankful for what all your teachers do, uh, what they give up, and 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 what they bring to the table to make a difference in our in our kids' lives. Because I know I look back, I was having a conversation just today with my daughter, saying, you know, uh, you know, how much Kirk, how great Kirk was. I mean, Kirk is just was such a wonderful launching pad for their for their academic career, and, and we just have nothing but fond memories of our years there. Um, well, thanks for saying that, and it's honestly one of those things that we don't want to lose the the founding heritage that we have at this school because we know there were many people that came before us people like Sue Pitzer and Barb Hauser as you mentioned and and a plethora of others that uh, have just blessed this place and blessed it with with really deep roots and we don't want to miss that even though it's got to turn over to a new generation we want to be very honoring of what God has done because you get graduates and, uh, like your daughters and families like yourself that had this incredible experience and we realize that that's something that we want to continue to fan that flame because it's a it's, a, it's an incredible ministry and we're, we're privileged to be a part of it um, just kind of kind of wrapping up Steve I'd, I'd love to know um, two things by the way yes before you ask can I throw out something I don't want to forget we just we stumbled into something that I don't know if other families have done but I assume do you still do weekly memory verses is that still part of the magic there absolutely okay so we we stumbled into something not that we're the great family but it was the easiest thing in the world if because of this one thing and we never had to cram it and our, I think our girls got 100% scores every time it's it's when uh, we get the new verse I guess it comes home in the Friday folder right or maybe right. it's now the Friday email I'm not sure what uh, how advanced you guys are now but um <laughs> Back then we had just a Friday folder, but uh, um, we would then print out the verse and put it on our refrigerator. And all our girl, our each of the girls would say it out loud. Each one of them would say it out loud at breakfast and dinner throughout the week, and then and then every meal on the weekends. And then you combine that with what they normally do at uh, at school, like the reinforcement right. that they they just sailed through. So I just if, if any parents are struggling, because I know sometimes it's oh my gosh we're cramming on Friday morning or something, but. Uh, just that little bit, and it felt like it was—it was just such a natural part of our, our meal. That just made it super easy. Oh, uh, that's it's really great, great to idea. hear. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that because I do have parents that say my kid's not great at memorization, and and it's tough because they'll critique the practice. They don't necessarily, obviously, they're not critiquing the Word of God, but uh, right. you know, it's 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 been a good um, learning curve sometimes of also what verses we're trying to send home, and I'm learning that as a my son goes through that, so that might be something we need to we need to do at our house. Put that right on the fridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let me let me just ask two two things of you. I would say the first is this: How would you encourage our families right now during COVID? You know, you mentioned that to our teachers. You talked about resiliency and, and accepting the gift, and I think that's that's right. I, but you know, public speaking also during COVID, I'm imagining imagining can't be easy. Zoom leading a meeting during Zoom is is very hard. Uh, looking at an audience, even if you're in person, full of masks, that's very hard. But how would you just encourage our families during COVID from what you've learned as you've continued to modify and, as Maria said, pivot during this time? Yeah, I would say it's it's something I should share with the teachers that I'll kind of re- repurpose here is um, 
when you think about the idea of, of everything's an offer that you're given and you accept the reality of it, you accept it and build it, it I was surprised to learn as I did more research that it's very often something that, that when something happens to us or someone doesn't go the way we want, it's not so much the the it of the the experience, it's what we do with it afterwards, which leads me to this this Miles Davis quote. Oh, sorry, um, um, it is Miles Davis, right? Miles Davis, the jazz musician. Yes, I, I had a moment. Yes, I yeah, saw the kind of blue of Miles Davis. from East yeah. St. Louis. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, because I, I got confused, I thought I know in Canada that would be kilometers, Davis. Um, but uh, okay, I'm just kidding. But um, so, well played, well played, um, Mr. Metric. Thank you. So, um, no, so Miles Davis uh, was so obviously one of the best best jazz um, trumpeters ever. And the thing about jazz, and he had a very cool quote about jazz, but about life. And he said, you know, when you think about playing jazz and, and it's, it's a lot of improvisation and here comes the percussion, then here comes the trombone, then here comes the bass player, then here comes this person. He said, um, he said don't fear mistakes because there aren't any. If you hit a wrong note, it's the next note you play that determines whether it's good or bad. So keep playing. So when you hit that wrong note, which yes, you didn't want to, you didn't mean to play an F sharp, it should have been an F major or something. Okay, bummer, didn't mean that to happen. But it's really what you do next that determines whether that was a hiccup or it was just, hey, it took us in a different direction. So, so to keep playing. So I always say to folks, and I, you know, you think about maybe a young student. I was there myself, so it was my wife and our girls. But you think about a, a young, say, young third grader, fourth grader, piano recital. It's very nerve wracking, and they're playing the piano, and they're all dressed up, and there's grandma and grandpa, and I don't want to mess up. But it's interesting. Um, I heard of a piano teacher that, that was, would encourage their kids to say, "Hey, if you if you make a mistake, just keep playing and act like no big deal." Versus, you know, all of us have been those things where you burp, blank, you play the wrong one, and you get all flustered, and you flip the pages around, and you make it a big deal. No, the, the thing happened. Okay, didn't like it, but what am I to do next to either redeem that moment or try to make it better in some way? So that that'd be my uh, the, the the parting thought of you know, when you hit that wrong note. It's the next note you play that matters and determines whether it was good or bad. So keep playing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's awesome. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, that's great. La last question for me is this. Um, I'm not necessarily a big stand-up comedy fan or anything, but what I am a fan of is when you find those comedians that are clean, that you can watch as a family and laugh together as a family, especially as we get to come to the holidays. Uh, you know, Jim Gaffigan has kind of had a resurgence since he really went to that clean family comedy. Um, yeah. You've got a guy named Nate Bergazzi out of Nashville that is just dry yes. as the day is long, but but hilarious. And these these guys, I, I feel very comfortable in recommending. But who are some comedians that that you find inspiring that that are clean, that that perhaps maybe we haven't heard of, or maybe we've heard their name and and there's some things that we could check out as a family. Uh, of just knowing that and getting ready to, to go into the holidays. Yeah, so, yeah, Gaffney would be one of the first ones that I think of. And then I'm pretty sure he's still clean. I would just double check, but I, I've always liked Brian Regan as well. Um, for the most part, very clean. Uh, in fact, maybe 100%, um, who's, who's been very good. Uh, those are the kind of guys that, I, that, that, that top of my mind that I like. And then there are some. With, with some very simple Google searching, you could probably find some good, you know, clean Christian comedy. There's a lot of them out there, and there's a lot of good content on on uh, online. And there may not be a household name, but but uh, there's a lot of good places out there to find find that good 
clean family comedy. Uh, well, That's Steve, awesome. thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on the call. And parents, as, as you guys uh, wrap up and you're in the holiday season as well, please uh, keep sending us your ideas. Keep sending us what you want to hear. We're, we're happy to do that. And um, if you have questions for Steve, you can find him at hityourstride.com, and uh, you can contact him that way. So, Steve, thanks again for being on the podcast. And parents, we will see you soon.